this is Pitch Black the Podcast, part of PitchBlackNews.com. My name is Kyle Mankey. Every week we talk about San Antonio FC, we talk about USL, we talk about soccer around North America, and that is exactly what we're going to do tonight. Um, obviously a huge playoff match coming up for San Antonio FC. They are facing one of their biggest rivals, if we're being honest. Um, it's not RGB, it's not a Texas team, but... Um, Stephen McCarthy has specifically said that um, this is one of the only teams they bust to, and there's something special about that, um, to, to paraphrase what he said. So this is, for all intents and purposes, a regional rivalry playoff match, and it's going to be fun. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I'm sure we'll talk about other things that pop up as they come uh, here on Periscope. If you're listening on the podcast version... Um, our Periscope is done every Thursday night, usually around 9.30 or 10 o'clock. You can find out on Twitter exactly what time it's going to be. Um, and it gives you the chance to interact live and, and get your voice heard live. So um, you can tell me to, to screw off live if you want. Um, fun stuff. So otherwise, you can always drop in your topics and questions or anything like that, comments, whatever, um, on Twitter. And, and that'll work too. So here we go. Let's start out again. For those of you watching on Periscope, you already know we're going to start out with the Twitter topics uh, and questions first. It's normally something we do at the end of the show. We're going to flip it this week a little bit, and then we're going to talk about playoffs after that. So let's dive in, shall we? Um, Trimetal says, shout out to Trimetal. Good guy. Um, implications of Lorendi not being in goal for OKC. Yeah, so one of the themes, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, is that um, the match that we're going to see on Saturday isn't the match that we've seen in the past. There's a lot of new faces, there's a lot of different faces, and it's going to be two different starting 11s than we've ever seen, I think. Um, So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Cody Lurindi is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Um, arguably MLS quality. He could probably be a backup in MLS uh, if he wanted to be, if not a starter, Um, just like our boy Diego Restrepo and and several other keepers around the league. But um, Lorindy is up there. He's he's a really solid keeper. But um, the strength of OKC isn't just in their keep. It's their back line. It's their whole team philosophy. They're a very defense-first team, which sounds familiar, right? (laughs) And um, we're probably going to see that on display, even without the man bun in between the pipes. So, um, I, in my projections, it doesn't change anything. Uh, I, I kept the same score line that I thought it would be. Um, but it's always going to be an effect, right? And we'll, we'll see how big of an effect that is. And I should say that our friend Chris Hockman, um, who now works for the league and previously lived in and worked here in San Antonio, um, He responded to that saying, cough, keep an eye on uslsoccer.com for Friday and Saturday, cough. So kind of cool. Sounds like there may be a little comment about uh, Lorindi and his lack of of playing in this match, either Friday or Saturday on the league's website. So I'm sure we'll retweet that when it comes out and make sure that that's visible. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. Changing gears here a little bit, uh, Las Rojas FC says, how should Austin successfully engage historically tepid Austin fans and those from around the region if they successfully steal Columbus Crew SC? Um, Yeah, so 
the first part of that on um, how to engage tepid Austin fans. So one of the things that you can point to that a lot of people are going to point to as this process goes forward is Atlanta. Um, Atlanta was very controversial when they got their MLS bid accepted, when they uh, were brought into the league. Very controversial because the switchbacks had never had phenomenal attendance. They did all right for an NASL team. They they were not, you know, the worst in the league as far as I know. Um, but, you know, it wasn't knocking it out of the park like we see in Sacramento, like we see in Cincinnati, some of these other places. So um, when Atlanta United came and, and they are, you know, selling out 70,000 seats in a match, that's hard to argue with. That's a lot of people for an MLS game. So Atlanta starts drawing 70,000 people to um, their matches and kind of proves everybody wrong, right? Uh, You can't argue with that. So what I think we'll see in pretty much any market that gets MLS is we're going to see significantly more attendance than we would have with a USL club, with an NASL club, with anything else, with a lower budget, with lower... I use this phrase lightly, and I don't want it to be misconstrued, but um, with lower level players and a lower level league, um, you're, you're going to have lower attendance. That's just how it goes. And as much as I love USL and I, I love watching San Antonio FC and all the other USL teams, it's a fun league for more casual folks seeing Michael Bradley come in, seeing Giovinco, Clint Dempsey, Jordan Morris, and some of these huge names that you see on the U S men's national team or around the country, around the world, uh, you know, David Villa and it draws more people. And so as far as Austin being a tepid fan base, I don't know that it is. And we, no one will know if it is until after it gets going. And that's one of the traps that I think, some folks are falling in with criticizing Austin is you're basing it on a USL attendance and you're basing it on other interests. And we just don't know. I'm not saying it's going to knock it out of the park. I'm just saying, you know, look at Atlanta and look at everything that happened there this year. Um, One thing I will say is that Atlanta took every single step correctly. As far as I could tell, they spent a lot of money on the roster. They spent a lot of money on their staff, on their stadium, and engaging the fan base. And that is what is going to get you fans. That's what's going to get you butts in seats. Um, Just bringing in one of those factors, just engaging the fans or just spending a lot of money on the team, that's not going to do it. Uh, You kind of have to hit all of the factors there. So um, in order to engage these fans in any market, uh, you need to take it seriously. And so time will tell if Anthony Precourt and the ownership group are going to do that. Um, as far as the second part of that, I really don't like this whole steel Columbus um, narrative or phrasing. I, I think it's, um, I think it's exaggerating and I think it kind of, I don't know, to me, it defeats the purpose because I have a hard time taking it seriously when you're talking about stealing a sports franchise um, somebody owns it. Like a human being owns that team as, as much ownership as you can take over a sports franchise. That's great, but no one's stealing anything. So I, 
I'm never going to get behind that phrase in, in any scenario. And I'm sure that's going to upset some people. Um, but that's my opinion. So, and Aaron Reed comments, ha, going to make Kyle say steal on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> right off the bat. <clears throat> so, um, Trimetal writes into thoughts on candidates running against Galati for USSF, USSF president position. Um, I'm glad that people are, um, before we move on to that, um, Audrey Nagy says, so we shouldn't get emotionally invested in these teams. I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to, you can for sure. I'm however you want to support a team. If you just want to show up on game day and eat nachos and drink some beer and watch a sport, that's fine. If you want to make it your religion, that's fine too. Um, you just, you have to know that you don't own it. I don't own it. Nobody owns it except for the guys who own it. Um, so get as invested as you want. Just understand that you only have so much control um, over any franchise, over the San Antonio Spurs or the Green Bay Packers or Chelsea FC or, or whoever, you know. Um, Green Bay Packers is a horrible example because they are community owned. But point stands. Um, someone owns these teams and you need to be careful how you get emotionally attached. Not saying don't. I'm just saying someone owns them and they can do what they want, unfortunately, in some cases. Not saying pre-court is doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Just trying to, you know, get past some of the emotion here. Um, so back to the, the presidential candidates. Um, I think it's good that people are trying to run against Gulati. I think that's solid. Uh, I'm going to wait to withhold judgment on on who I think should get it until more of the candidates become clear. I know Eric Winalda has been mentioned. Landon Donovan's been mentioned. Um, I, I think that's really interesting to have some people kind of from the inside and from the player side of things. So um, the election is in February. That's when we'll know more um, in, in the months leading up. So I'm kind of saving that for an off-season topic because I don't plan. Yeah, Steve Gans is the other one. Thanks, Larry. Um, I'm kind of saving that for off season a little bit, a, because it'll be more clear and B, because I don't plan on having a big winter break like we did last year with the podcast, um, plan on keeping this thing going year round. So we will definitely talk about that a lot, a little bit later. Um, Las Rojas again says how to Diego Restrepo, um, and CJ Cochran, who is Oklahoma city's goalkeeper, Matchup on penalty kicks. That is a great question and something that uh, I'm going to look into as I write my preview tomorrow um, because I do think that this game is going to come down to PKs. Spoiler alert. I I think I'm going to go ahead and project a 0-0 game um, with San Antonio winning on PKs. So um, that's important. It's important to see how they match up on PKs. But at the end of the day, it is a little bit of a coin flip, uh, no matter what a goalkeeper's history is with um, PKs. Obviously, Matt Cardoni had an incredible streak last year, and, and that was awesome to see. Um, but I don't know how much of that was. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, a professional goalkeeper by any means, so I'm not going to judge too hard on uh, if they're really good or if they're really bad with PKs. Um, but it is something that I think will be a factor. I, I do think we're going to PKs this Saturday. Um, Gabby Becker says one word, Austin grabs popcorn. Um, yeah, I, 
with with Austin, um, let's see here in Periscope. Good offseason topic. What role um, should USSF play in uh, the pyramid? And unfortunately, I didn't see the end of the question there. Um, yeah, I think the entire structure of United States soccer is um, up for debate. I don't think anything is sacred. I think, um, you know, we, we didn't qualify for a world cup. We missed the world cup. So at this point, burn it all. Like I'm really happy to see professional soccer clubs in so many cities from USL to NASL to MLS and beyond. Um, but we didn't qualify for a world cup. So that's a good off season topic too. Thank you for that. Um, as far as Gabby saying Austin, I don't have a lot more to say about Austin that I haven't already. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I've had some fairly strong opinions on that. Uh, it's it's going to happen. Uh, everything that I'm seeing, everything I'm reading, and talking with people who know more than I do, everything that I see tells me that it's going to happen and that it's already a done deal. So, yeah, I, I don't have anything new to say until new stuff comes out. Um, that's that's pretty much where Austin is for me. So, and it it kills San Antonio FC's MLS bid. Um, Aaron says, has Newton been held out of the 18 because Powell doesn't want to change what's working? Seems odd that he hasn't even been on the bench. Yeah, um, I'm not 100 percent sure. We saw him play a lot this season, and then he got that three match ban right at the end of the season. And uh, we haven't seen him as much since, which is odd because you would think that he is the most solid right back on the roster. Um, However, Marco Jong's been playing really well in that position. Not perfect. Uh, He's still definitely green in some areas, but they're winning. And, (laughs) you know, I don't know. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Coach Powell about that yet. Um I'll definitely ask after the match if uh, Ojong ends up playing over Noonan again. Um, but it, it's interesting. And in Periscope, uh, Tier Pack either number two scorer. Yeah, Tier Pack is a little bit different because that's an extremely crowded position um, where right back is one of the shallowest positions on the team. Winger is overly crowded with talent, which is a great problem to have because you have Billy Forbes, uh, Omar Gordon, Chris Tier Pack. And really, Connor Presley can play out there. Devin Vega can play out there. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we've seen Victor Arahujo play out there. Uh, a lot of guys, right? And, and so the main three that you're really looking at there are Forbes, Tierpack, and Gordon. So how do you make those three players fit into two spots? Um, I, I feel like, again, not having gotten a chance to talk to Darren Powell this week, I feel like it's kind of a riding the hot hand type deal because Omar Gordon has been very good in creating chances and in frustrating defenses, um, even if he hasn't been lighting up the um, the scoring category. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe Tierpak and Noonan are just dinged up. I, I couldn't tell you, unfortunately. I, I just haven't gotten a chance to go out to practice this week, but... Um, hoping to next week, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter or if you were in the Periscope before we started recording the podcast, you know, it's been kind of a crazy week for me. So unfortunately just haven't gotten a chance to go out there, but, um, hoping to very soon and we'll try and find out about that. 
David Ziegler writes in, should the club keep using the same fake crowd sounds as the end of the Dream Team clips? Hmm, are there fake sounds in the videos? No. No, I don't think there are. <laughs> um, having, having seen some of the work that goes into making these videos and having heard the roar of Toyota Field when it's at its best, uh, I don't think there's any reason to use fake sounds. And I don't think um, they would take the time to do that because it's extra time that they have to do for something that they already have. So um, I, I see some of your theories here. But um, I don't think they're using fake sounds. Huge controversy if they are, though. <laughs> um, Joe says, starting lineup for Saturday, specifically Roshindel slash Reed slash Tierpack slash Noonan. Is Rafa ready to go? Is Vega coming back? Cool. Lots of good questions there. Um, I'll go over my lineup a little bit later when I preview the match. Um but one of the hardest decisions for me, and truthfully, it's a coin flip in a lot of ways, is uh, the central midfield. Ryan Rochindle, um, Michael Reed, Rafa Castillo when he's healthy, Maxi Rodriguez, um, Cesar Elizondo late in the season has been playing in that central midfield a lot. It's very difficult to select players for a preview from that group because there's a lot of talent and it really just kind of depends on what philosophy coach Powell wants to go with that day. Um, so I'll, I'll have my prediction a little bit later in the show, but, um, that, that's a very insightful question. And and one that I find myself asking each week when I'm making those previews is Rafa ready to go. Uh, he was in the 18, so I would imagine he's healthy enough to play. I don't think they would put him in the 18 if he wasn't. Um, we saw for several weeks, he had his nose, um, bandaged up at Toyota field um, however, he was doing light workouts uh, the last couple of times that I've been to practice. Um, so I, I'd imagine he's back and he's ready to go. I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but, um, how are you not going to have Rafa Castillo available if he's healthy enough to go at all? <laughs> like, uh, 80% Rafa is better than a good chunk of the USL. So I may be a little biased in that, but I stand by it. And is Vega coming back? So we did talk earlier um, in the year about that. We've had a couple sources not from the club, a couple non-club sources, non-USL sources, saying that um, Vega is not coming back, that he's going to pursue professional soccer uh, with another club at the end of the season. Um, Don't have any details beyond that as far as where he's going or what happened, but uh, I... Personally, don't expect to see Devin Vega in an 18 again for the rest of the year, and I don't expect to see him next year in a San Antonio FC uniform unless something drastic changes. So that's just what I've been told, Um, and obviously it shows on the field through him not making the 18 for several weeks in a row. <clears throat> Michology says, you think we see the same lineup this week? Personally, think we need an early goal. Otherwise, we might be in trouble. Um, again, I'll do the lineup a little bit later, but an early goal or any goal would be a huge help in this match because it is going to be a defensive battle. Um, of course, the more I say that, the more likely it is to end up being like a 7-7 draw at the end of it, right? <laughs> like a, a 12-9 thumping. Um, but I, I stand by, I think it's going to be a defensive match uh, on both sides. 
Um, John Rolfe says, I agree with the Austin topic. And also, what about a relegation system talk? Um, the Austin topic, that's a huge topic and something that a lot of people have issues with, uh, different opinions with. Uh, I'll get back to it uh, on Periscope. Is there a locker room to coach problem? Lots of guys leaving this se- uh, season and players not played. Um, that's a good question. And, and one I can't answer for sure because I'm not in there. But um, just looking at what we've seen, we saw um, Sean Chin and uh, AJ Ajikwa leave for Colorado Springs. We saw Ali Hassan leave. We saw... Um, Kevin, um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name right now. The fullback that started the season with us. Um, oh, that's going to bug McFarlane. Kevin McFarlane uh, left and Miggy Salazar was released. Um, so with all of those, oh, and Juan Nino too. Yeah, there were a lot of departures this year, weren't there? Um, so I don't know about a locker room issue. The only one that I could say I could see their potentially be in a locker room issue is with Vega um, because he's not making the 18 and that's unusual for a healthy player um, of his age and of his skill set. Just speculating there, of course. Um, with Sean Chin and AJ Ajikwa, they were forwards who were not getting it done on the final third of the, the pitch. So when you can't score as a forward, your job's in danger no matter what happens. So, um, same story with Ali Hassan. I really, I don't know what else to say about those three other than they were hired to score goals and they didn't for several months. Uh, and then they were released. So with Juan Nino, it was a little different because he had a, um, a situation where he was going to get more playtime at another club, um, from what different folks have said on social media, so I, it doesn't seem like he left on bad terms at all. Um, don't really know about Kevin McFarland. We didn't really get to see him much. Uh, and Miggy Salazar is still with the team. Even though he's not on the roster, he's still rehabbing with the team. Um, looking at the numbers, that may have been about clearing an international slot for, um, is it Ever Guzman? I think is who would have filled that. Um, because, uh, for FIFA purposes, Miggy Salazar, I believe is under Mexico and not the U S, um, which means he would count against that cap that USL has for international players. So definitely don't think there's any bad blood with Miggy Salazar. I'm pretty sure he's in the team, the official team photo that they took a couple days ago. So, um, uh, getting back to the question, is there a locker room issue? I don't think so. Um, it certainly seems like most of these guys have bought into the system, bought into the fact that it's a defensive minded team. And honestly, it feels like Darren Powell is kind of the soccer version of Greg Popovich in that, um, he's going to do what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't see any big issue there. I've never seen any fist fights at practice or anything like that. So yeah, I, I would be pretty surprised to hear that, but who knows? We're not in there. <clears throat> um, getting back to John Rawls question about relegation system talk, um, promotion relegation is an evergreen topic in the soccer world. Um, there, 
to to put it clearly, I would love promotion or relegation. I really would. The period, end of sentence. I would love promotion relegation. Um, that being said, I don't see it happening without drastic changes to MLS and to United States soccer in general. Um, in order for it to happen, you would have to get rid of single entity. You'd have to get rid of a lot of the um, financial rules that are in MLS that help uh, for, with parity. So I, as much as I think it would be interesting, I don't ever see it happening. Um, that being said, that doesn't mean that I don't like MLS or USL. That doesn't mean that I think soccer in North America is a waste of time because personally, if my team is bad enough where I'm worried about them getting relegated, I don't think I'd be watching them fondly anyway. I feel like I'd be pulling my hair out every week. So um, I, I think that the enjoyment of soccer is watching good soccer and watching, to sound cheesy here, uh, the beautiful game and watching it um, in its best form in North America. And what you get in other leagues, this is going to sound like I'm talking against pro row, but um, what you get in other leagues, you look at EPL, for example, and you have six or seven teams that you know are going to be at the top. You have four or five that you know are going to be at the bottom and everybody else is just kind of in the middle every year. And with MLS, you never know who is going to go on to win it. (laughs) And that's part of the fun. Look at Chicago fire this year. They were a dumpster fire last year. And, um, they, they put on a solid season despite the fact that they got eliminated in the playoffs. So um, I, to get back to the point, promotion or relegation, that's something we can always talk about. Um, I just don't, my hopes are very low on it ever happening. And finishing it off, um, at MLS in San Marcos writes, would you support moving MLS to Austin to the city of San Marcos? MLS in San Marcos would be ideal for a regional powerhouse accessible to more patrons. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume this is a parody account. Um, MLS in San Marcos would be interesting. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it would also be the lowest attended team in the country, but um, funny to think about, right? So, I think that's pretty much it for Twitter as far as I can see. Um, So unless anybody has anything on Periscope, we will take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the playoff match coming up for San Antonio FC as they host regional rivals. I'm calling them a rival. uh, OKC Energy FC here at Toyota Field. So um, stick with us and we will be right back. Listening to Abbey Road with my head against the glass. The sailor fills my lungs, it fills my head with fear that the beer has long gone flat. And we are back. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you in particular to our Patreon patrons. Um, those of you who have 
taken the financial commitment to help us not spend money on this podcast and website to uh, help keep it cost free for our families. So really do appreciate that. It, it genuinely means more than you know. I'm so thankful that um, other people get some sort of value from this whole thing. Uh, and, you know, not just the podcast, not just me, but uh, Jonathan and Mario's writing and uh, uh, Miguel's photos and, you know, everything that we do. Thank you. I, I genuinely appreciate that. If you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash pitchblacknews and find out more. So let's get into this playoff match. We are almost there, right? So in, um, in the Periscope chat while we were taking a break, um, who was it? I didn't see the name. Uh, Mobile's working, I think it was. Um, said that USLPR scored an own goal this week, and that's pretty accurate. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the other playoff matchups here um, before we get into San Antonio FC versus OKC. Um, so at the top of the bracket here, we've got Sacramento versus Swope Park Rangers in the other Western quarterfinal. Um, funny part about that, the the own goal <laughs> that uh, USLPR scored on themselves was some confusion earlier this week about where the hell this game was going to be played. Um, Swope Park Rangers is the higher seed. Sacramento is the eighth seed. And um, there was an announcement from the Sacramento Republic Twitter feed that the match would be hosted in Sacramento, which obviously goes against the seeding, right? Um, a few hours later, the Swope Park Twitter handle um, reminded everyone not to listen to hashtag fake news and um, claimed that the game was going to be in Kansas City. And then for a few hours, nothing happened other than Twitter losing their mind and laughing at USL which is not a good position for any fledgling league to be in. Um, eventually, <clears throat> we received word, official word, that the match would be played in Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park, which is the MLS stadium of um, Sporting Kansas City, Swole Park Rangers Parent Club. So it was prime Twitter. It was Prime USL, it was fantastic for a couple hours on Twitter there. Um, and to their credit, USL apologized to the fans and the teams that uh, were confused and, and may have um, modified any plans or anything like that. So uh, to their credit, they did mop it up as best they could. But man, did they spill a mess there for a little bit. Um, so that's what's going on in the rest of the West. Um, besides OKC and San Antonio FC, we've got Sacramento and Swope Park. Um, personally, I would love to see Sacramento get the upset, not only because I have a little soft spot for Sacramento, but because Swope Park Rangers always give San Antonio problems. Um, I don't want to see Swope Park Rangers. They are the team that I feared most for San Antonio FC out of the entire West was, was Swope Park. So hopefully Sacramento gets through there. Uh, hopefully San Antonio gets through OKC, um, and on the other side, we've got Louisville City versus Rochester Rhinos. Um, and then the other matchup is Red Bulls 2 versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So lots going on. Gotta love it. Um, but let's get local. Let's get here to San Antonio FC. 
part of the reason that I keep talking about how defensive it's going to be and how this is going to come down to a coin flip is the fact that these teams don't beat each other ever. (laughs) Well, not ever. One time. Um, Five of the six matches that these teams have played against each other in the two years that San Antonio FC has been in the league have ended in draws. (laughs) There was only one match that wasn't a draw. Um, and I believe it was an OKC victory, if I'm remembering correctly. But every time that they've played this year has been a draw. So this is probably going to be a very close game. It's probably going to be a very defensive game. And it's probably going to be a very intense game. These two teams are very familiar with each other. Um, from the player standpoint, it's viewed as a rivalry. There's, Like I said earlier, um, a couple of players have mentioned that you know, bussing there and being so relatively close and seeing each other so many times each year, there's something special there. So while we point to RGV as being an obvious rival, being in Texas, um, OKC is is right up there in terms of rivalry. So add to the fact that it's a playoff match, I'm sure Toyota Field is going to be insane as long as the cold doesn't keep everybody away. <laughs> um, it is supposed to be a cold night. Um, don't predict any snow, but, uh, probably going to be in the low fifties to forties from what I saw. Uh, I'm sure Periscope will correct me if that's wrong, but, uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be real cold. So, uh, you know, scarf city. Um, yeah, someone in Periscope, Anunnaki just reminded me in Periscope Ford's red card from last season. Yeah, that, um, helped kickstart the Cardoni era when Josh Ford uh, may or may not have punched a OKC player in the face and gotten some matches suspended for it. So there's passion there. Uh, there just is. And you got to love that. Um, so USLsoccer.com, uh, Nicholas Murray actually has a really good, insightful article um, about the two clubs and their history and what's going on right now. And one of the things that he mentions is the fact that, um, yeah, and also in Periscope, someone said the OKC deserved it. So there you go. Um, One of the things that Nicholas Murray talks about is that despite how many times these teams have played each other, there are some fresh faces in here. Uh, Specifically, Ever Guzman has never played OKC Energy with San Antonio FC, so that's going to be a new threat that OKC has to prepare for. Um, And Ever Guzman, if we assume, um, as I do, that it's going to be kind of the 4-1-4-1 like we've been seeing with Guzman up top, um, that's going to give OKC problems. And the fact that Guzman can be up there means that Cesar Elizondo can play as a 10. Um, It means that... Billy Forbes and Omar Gordon or Chris Tierpak, the wingers, the ridiculously dangerous wingers that San Antonio FC has, are able to get a little more space because you have to compensate for another player. And it, it just adds a whole nother dynamic to the formation. Um, in the past, before we started seeing the center forwards playing at the level that we had hoped, um, Pretty much everything went to the outside, right? Greg Cochran up to Billy Forbes, hope for a goal. Or, you know, Noonan to Tierpak, hope for a goal. Um, having more attacking-minded central players 
is only going to add depth to that attack. And that's could be a huge factor. I still think it's going to end in a draw just because of how these games have gone. But I could also see San Antonio going 2-0, 3-0 um, with, with the new attacking threats that they have. So Ever Guzman has huge potential to have an impact in this match. Um, another player that Nicholas Murray uh, mentions, of course, is Billy Forbes, who is currently San Antonio FC's all-time leading goal scorer after scoring 10 goals this season uh, and nine assists. So obviously he's had a productive season, but we all know that a lot of that was front-loaded to the beginning of the season. So to see him in good form towards the end of the year as he has been is great. We need to see that continue, and this is going to be the first real defensive test that this team has faced in the playoffs. Tulsa is a dangerous team, but they're not as sound as OKC is. One thing that is going to be important is the center back pairing for San Antonio FC. I really hope that we see, we're able to see Stephen McCarthy and Sebastian Biaga playing in that central pairing because they have been the best pair throughout the year in the league, not just for San Antonio FC, but in the league. And to have those two, to have their height, to have their physicality um, could end up being very important. Uh, specifically because um, San Antonio FC is going to be facing, um, I'm going to butcher his name, and I apologize for that, Um, Wojcik, Wojcik, I believe. Um, Anyway, uh, OKC's really solid striker that they have, um, he didn't play earlier this year against San Antonio FC. Um, he's, according to Nicholas Murray, uh, because of his injury, Wojcik only saw 11 minutes of action against San Antonio FC this season. So yeah, San Antonio has ever Guzman on one end, but they have Wojcik on the other and that's going to have an effect. And it's really going to come down to the, that defensive pairing, that back line for both teams to see how they're able to cope with these revamped rosters. And I think McCarthy and Ebiaga give you the best chance. Um, they're extremely athletic. They're extremely big, and uh, they've been solid all year. So, even though Cyprian Hedrick was brought in to be a starter, it felt like um, you know Ebiaga and McCarthy. I feel like are the, are the way to go for the back two. Um, so, getting into my predicted starting eleven: um, Restrepo and Goal. You just heard my center back pairing. Uh, Cochran on the left, of course, and I don't know about right back. Common sense to me says that it would be Ben Noonan, but looking at the last few team sheets, Marco Jong has gotten that role and he's been pretty solid in it. Um, when he hasn't been, Sebastian Ibiaga has been there to help point him in the right direction and it seems to be working. So I'm going to put Ben Noonan as my projected starting right back, but I don't feel great about it. I feel like that could be Ojong, and we just don't know. Um, going forward from there, I think we see, I think we see Ryan Rashindel as the one. I think we see a more defensive-minded squad. Um, I think we play for a low-scoring match. Um, and hope that 
we can get a goal on the counter. <clears throat> so I think it'll be Rashindel in that one spot um, as the as the six, and then for the next four, I'm gonna go Billy Forbes on the left. Uh, I'm gonna go Omar Gordon on the right with Tier Pack on the bench um, with a, a potential late sub, 60, 70 minute sub. Um, and then in the center midfield, I'm going to go Reed and Elizondo. I don't feel great about it. Like I talked about earlier, um, that's, there's so many players that can play that role. If he's healthy, Rafa for sure. Um, but we haven't seen him in a while start. So, um, that's what I'm going with in the middle, Reed and Elizondo. And then of course, Guzman up top. So. That's my predicted starting 11. My predicted score is a whopping 0-0 with San Antonio winning in penalties. Um, I know that sounds like I'm being a smartass, but I really think that these are two defensively minded teams and that this is going to go the full two hours plus and we're going to see a PK shootout. Um, Periscope asked, bunker down or absorb and counter? Um, I think this team has looked best when it's on the counter attack. And I think that's what we'll see where um, you're playing very stout defense and you're hoping to just get one on the counter. Um, we'll see. It, it could be totally different. It could be, you know, three, four, three or, or something crazy, but um, that's what I'm going with the four, one, four, one. And I think we'll see um, pretty much everybody, but Rushindle pushed forward from the midfield up. So that's where I'm at. If you have a different opinion, I'd love to hear it on Twitter at Pitchlock News or at Kyle underscore Mankey. Uh, and I'll try and retweet as many of those as we see so we get everybody's opinion out there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's always tough to predict these starting 11s. Um, there's just so much talent with some of these some of these midfielders in particular. And it's tough. Um, but that's what we're here for is to guess and, and hope we're not totally wrong. So... Um, you heard Chris Hockman tease, or I read Chris Hockman's tweet about teasing an article coming out Friday or Saturday on uslsoccer.com. Should definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, but currently up, uh, posted on Thursday is another Chris Hockman tweet about Billy Forbes and how he's back in dangerous form. So if you're interested in reading that, if you're interested in seeing what Chris Hockman is up to after making his move to Tampa, check that out at uslsoccer.com. Highly, highly recommend that. And uh, shout out to Chris. Happy, happy, happy for him and the big things that he's doing with the league. So that's pretty much all I have for this episode, for, for that playoff prediction. Um, we will have our written pieces out. We will have our live tweeting during the game. We will be there freezing our butts off, hoping that, you know, we don't get frozen to the seat. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So thank you. If you're tuning in on Periscope, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for interacting. If you have any other topics, questions, comments, please feel free to throw those out there before we wrap it up. Um, otherwise, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Um, we had a few issues with our service last week. We think that all of those have been resolved. So, uh, we're, we're going to roll with that. Um, I think that's pretty much it on Periscope. I think that's pretty much it for us for the night. 
So again, I've been Kyle Mankey. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later.